0: Welcome to the Do Good Radio Hour with Bluegrass Community Foundation. We believe doing good inspires good. It's the gift that keeps on giving. The intention behind this show is to encourage you by sharing the undeniable good happening within our community. One of the ways we plan to do that is by sharing the stories of nonprofit organizations across the region who are creating more generous, vibrant and engaged communities. Tune into the Do Good Radio Hour every Monday at 2 p.m. to hear about the good that is the heartbeat of our community and how you can get more involved. Here at BGCF have been a whirlwind of fun and giving, and the 2020 Good Giving Challenge shattered all records with over $2.3 million going back into our community. This is our 10th year of the challenge, and it brought our overall total to $14 million raised. Each day of the challenge offered so many fun opportunities to amplify your gifts offered by the following sponsors. If it weren't for them, this year wouldn't have been such a success and so much fun. So we thank the Clark County Community Foundation, the Murray Foundation, Marksberry Family Foundation, Mitchell Family Foundation, Bluegrass Community Foundation, Thompson R. Bryant Jr. and Betty R. Bryant Fund at BGCF, McAdam Family Foundation, Knight Foundation Donor Advice Fund at BGCF, Total Wine & More, Hudson Ellis Fund at BGCF, West Sixth Brewing, and the Edith D. Gardner Charitable Fund at BGCF. A massive, massive thank you to the hardworking nonprofits and generous donors who made this year an overwhelming success. We here at BGCF are super excited for all the hard work that happened this year and what a way to end 2020. So on behalf of BGCF, we thank you. But of course, nonprofits don't stop with the Good Giving Challenge. Their work continues on and their impact is still making ripples. So, today on this episode of the Do Good Radio Hour, we are featuring three more diverse nonprofits who participated in this year's Good Giving Challenge the YMCA for Youth Development, Healthy Living, and Social Responsibility, Legacy Greenscapes, a public park in Winchester, and the Wanda Joyce Robinson Foundation serving children impacted by incarceration. You are going to love their stories, but before we jump in, we have a very important cameo here with Haley Cunningham, the General Counsel and Director of Planned Giving here at BGCF. She's going to share about the importance of year-end giving, so we have a jam-packed episode. Stay tuned. Keep listening. Thank you so much.
1: Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us for the Do Good Radio Show. My name is Haley Cunningham. And I am the general counsel and director of planned giving for Bluegrass Community Foundation. And I get the great privilege of working with individuals, families, nonprofit organizations, and businesses who want to partner with the community foundation to organize their charitable giving, whether that's during their lifetime or through their after-lifetime plans, such as their will or trust, as well as retirement accounts, life insurance policies, and other estate planning documents. But for today, as we are somehow already in mid-December, I am going to be talking about year-end giving. As you all know, 2020 has been a hard year for many people, whether mentally, physically, financially, and the same is true for our nonprofit organizations. But a lot of times, making a charitable donation before the end of the calendar year can prove to be beneficial for your tax returns and the nonprofits and charitable causes that you care about. There are a few key things to consider when planning for your year-end giving. First off, the Community Foundation has a variety of funds that offer broad flexibility in organizing your charitable giving, including donor-advised funds, which is usually our most popular fund type, where you have the ability to make a donation now and then make grants out to your favorite charitable causes in the future. So this is a great option for those of you who need to make a tax deductible gift before the end of 2020, but don't want that pressure of having to decide which organizations to give to before December 31. So you can make a contribution to a donor-advised charitable fund right now, receive your charitable tax deduction right now, and then make those grant recommendations in 2021 and beyond. There also may be some of you who have stocks or other assets that have appreciated in value. And donating appreciated stock is a really great way to avoid capital gains tax, while still contributing to your favorite nonprofits on a timeline of your choosing. So you get the charitable impact and the tax savings. Now, for those of you who have ever visited your CPA or your tax preparer with an entire shoebox filled with charitable receipts, Um, that a fund at the Community Foundation could be the solution that you're looking for, or that your CPA or financial planner is looking for on your behalf. (laughs) Because this is a great way to become more charitably organized and efficient. You can make one or more donations to a charitable fund at the Community Foundation, receive one tax receipt for tax filing purposes, and then still make grants to numerous organizations that you like to contribute to throughout the entire next year or years following. And you know, along these same lines, one great tax planning strategy when utilizing a donor advised fund at the Community Foundation is what we like to refer to as bunching. And bunching is a strategy for those individuals who are charitably minded, but are no longer able to take the charitable deduction because of that increase in the standard deduction. So, bunching allows donors to make one large contribution to a charitable fund, which is usually the equivalent of two or more years worth of giving. And then it allows them to meet the requirement to receive their charitable deduction for tax purposes. Then, as the donor, they can grant out um, contributions from the fund over a two or more year timeline. That way, the nonprofits or organizations that they support still receive that annual contribution. But the donor gets what could be a more favorable tax outcome in the year of the donation. The end of the year, and particularly this year, is also often a time that many people consider updating or creating their will and other estate plans. Um, statistics actually show that this has been one of the highest years for estate plan creation by many people, um, and and so BGCF really administers and facilitates charitable legacy funds for those of you who want to include charitable giving in those estate plans. And so we can help to ensure that your charitable giving goals are met even after your lifetime. And at BGCF, we have a professional staff, including three attorneys, two CPAs, we have grant and scholarship specialists, specialists in nonprofit services, and experts in marketing and communications. So, you know, we are local, we are here to serve as a source for reliable, current, objective information to guide your charitable giving. And although we can't give you know tax or legal advice, we are happy to work with you and your professional advisors to develop, to develop the best strategy for your giving. And So if you think that you wanna make a year-end gift or that you can work with the Community Foundation to make your 2021 giving more efficient and effective, then please let us know. You're welcome to always give us a call at 859- Have a great um, end of 2020 and a great 2021, and we hope to hear from some of you soon.
0: For youth development, for healthy living, for social responsibility, the YMCA of Central Kentucky is up next. Please help me welcome Jessica Berry, Vice President of Mission Advancement. Hello, Jessica. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you.
2: I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much for inviting us.
0: We are excited to learn more about you and what you're doing at the YMCA. But first, share with me what led you to the YMCA and how you got involved. Um, I've been at the YMCA for about five years now. Before
2: that, I was actually family and community liaison for Fayette County Public Schools. So since my daughter was in school, I've had a passion for supporting youth. Um, academically, as well as social emotionally, and it was just a natural transition to the pro- from the programs I was creating at Fayette County into my position at the Y.
0: Yeah. So everyone obviously knows the YMCA song and grows up doing the dance and all of that. So, what does YMCA actually stand for, and what is its history?
2: Well, the YMCA stands for Young Men's Christian Association, and we've been around here in Lexington since 1853. Um, Our mission is to put Christian principles into practice through programs that build healthy spirit, mind, and body, and so we always like to use this tagline of we're more than just a gym. Um, Of course, we have our branches with our workout facilities and our programs, but we have programs that go beyond just the walls of our building. We have youth development programs where we run school-age childcare. We do a program called Power Scholars Academy. We also have wellness initiatives called Live Strong where we support cancer survivors. And the programs just go on and on.
0: I went to your website, actually, and clicked on programming, and the down bar went down so far. So you offer endless opportunities for members of the community. How have you seen the YMCA as an advocate for building this sense of community?
2: Well, we, you know, since the pandemic started, we opened our doors in March uh, in response to requests from hospitals to provide emergency services, emergency childcare services, for their staff, uh, medical professionals, which then led to essential service workers. And so we have tried to build a sense of community by working with partners and supporting their needs, such as the hospital, but we're working with other nonprofit organizations to stand up locations where we can provide NTI support academically to kids um, who, may not be other, uh, who may not otherwise be able to afford our regular programs. Really, we hope that we come out of of this more collaborative than we've ever been before, really working together to support the community.
0: I love that. I bet a day in your life is never boring. So take me through a day working at the YMCA. Well, it depends on the day. Um, So I am
2: the VP of Mission Advancement. That's really Um, Most of my responsibility is development, financial development is finding funders to help support the programs that we offer. But it also allows me the opportunity to really engage with some of our programs. So for example, just the other day, we launched our Wild Learning Labs in partnership with the Lexington Public Library, which is just where kids can come in for a couple of hours a day and receive some additional support from teachers or our staff academically. And then I might shift to being inside one of our branches and talking to some of our members about their wellness journey. So it, it really changes from day to day and that's probably what I love most about it.
0: Yes, I agree. Day to day things that change are what make a job you know, fun. So as Absolutely. I talked about before, you all are super active in our community. And I know this is a big question, but what do you think is the most important thing that the YMCA brings to our community?
2: I think one of the most important things that we bring is our commitment to the community. We feel like it is our responsibility to provide programs and we for a better us. Uh, we want to create a better community. We want to create a better nation. We want to communi- create a better us individually in each and every one of us. And so our commitment, our passion, and our drive to provide those programs to Programs to meet the needs of the population we serve is probably uh, what drew me to the why, what keeps me at the why, and what makes me so passionate about the why. And I'm probably just one of the many individuals in our organization who feel the same.
0: It's so incredibly important for givers to give, especially right now during this critical time. Nonprofits have been hit especially hard. So give us a reason behind the why people should give to the YMCA.
2: Um, I think it's just what I just said. The why people should give to the YMCA is because we're supporting our community. Um, Our membership dues and and those kind of things help cover our facility costs to keep up the opportunity for members to come in and work out. But all of our programs are really supported by those that give. We have a committed set of volunteer board members who work with us to make sure we get the message out. But our programs help academically, they help socially, they help emotionally and physically. Um, We have a full gamut of programs available to families. And we also have what's called our annual giving campaign which is where most of those funds go that allow us to provide financial assistance for those who need it. And so that means we give up to 50% uh, financial assistance in any program or for any membership to anyone who qualifies. So that's the why they should give to the (laughs) why.
0: That's kind of a funny, uh, it sounds pretty punny, punny phrase. Um, Your programming reaches many facets of society, like you were just saying, and calls its people to be better in every aspect of the phrase to be better. So as you are walking alongside your members and helping them make positive changes, have you experienced a particularly rewarding experience that you could share with us?
2: Well, I, as I said earlier, I have a passion for youth and we have a program called Power Scholars Academy that is academic, academically based. And it is a six week learn, summer learning loss prevention program. So to talk to families and to talk to youth who are underperforming in school and in a six week timeframe, they can gain about two and a half months growth in reading and math. That's in addition to you know, getting rid of the regression that we typically anticipate every year. That is inspiring, and that shows us what our youth are capable of if provided the right opportunities.
0: As I said before, I know I personally have had many experiences at the YMCA. I feel like many, many have for sure. So tell me something that listeners may be surprised to know about the YMCA.
2: Um, Again, I think I go back to our programming. Um, We have a Live Strong program that supports cancer survivors, and we have an amazing staff member in Bob Johnson who really becomes their family to help them walk through that journey to get past some of the obstacles that, that they may have. We have um, membership specialists who can help people along their journey to figure out what it is they want to accomplish and the best way to do that. Um, of course, I've talked about our, our programs for, for children, but we basically serve from uh, six weeks to experienced um individuals (laughs) so we it's just a wealth of opportunities i would encourage everybody to go to our website to find out what all we offer because that is a challenge for for us a lot of people just don't know the the depth of the programs that the Y provides
0: that's absolutely true i didn't until i clicked on that and it was like so long and extensive i was like wow that's amazing so We're rounding the corner here to the end of this. Thank you so much. But what can people expect from you in the upcoming months?
2: I think you'll see us uh, doing more in the community and for the community. Uh, we are really pushing our Black Achievers program because we want to support teens during this effort. We know that teens don't often have a safe place to go. You'll see more opportunities uh, of, of us collaborating with other organizations, nonprofits, businesses. You will probably even see some of our board members more uh, vocal and and, in their advocacy of supporting the Y.
0: You've already done this a little bit, but last question before we go, shout out where listeners can find out more about you, how to get involved, your website, social media, anything like that.
2: You can find us at ymcacky.org. You can find all of our leaders there, including me, uh, and, and, and you can find out all the information you want to know about the why. If you want to contact me directly, you can do so at jberry at ymcacky.org.
0: Perfect, well Jessica, thank you for doing good in our community and for sharing your story with us here on the Do Good Radio Hour. We appreciate Thank you for
2: allowing us to share our story.
0: Help me give a warm welcome to our next guest, Deborah Jackson, the new executive director of Legacy Greenscapes. Welcome, welcome, Deborah. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. This is very exciting because you are the brand new executive director of Legacy Greenscapes, if I'm right. Congratulations.
3: So tell me a
0: little bit about yourself and how you got involved. Right. Well, um, I am. I am the new executive director and the first
3: executive director. Um, Until now, we've had an interim director for the organization, but this is the official, I am the official first one. So um, I've been in the job for only one month at the end of this week. Today, it's been one month, and so much going on in just one month. But a little bit about me Um, I am originally from Iowa. Uh, I came to Kentucky to get my graduate degree at the University of Kentucky. And um, since then, I've worked for um, the state health department and um, the higher education coordination uh, group for Kentucky and somehow found myself in Parks and Rec years later. Um, So I am not a a student of of parks, but um, I fell in love with working with parks and I fell in love with Winchester, um, neither of which were my uh, original plan um, so I, I have worked here in the community for four years and when the opportunity to work with legacy greenscapes uh, came up it was uh, kind of the job of, of a lifetime for me um, I love this park um, and I'm so excited to be part of something so wonderful in this community and it really had I, I really gives me a vision um, for Winchester of of the great things that are to come.
0: Can you give me a backstory behind the park and how it came to be? Right, so I'm going to do
3: my best, um, and I have been spending some time with mentors to give me um, a lot of the history. I've been in the community for most of the part of of the park's development, but it goes way back. Um, The site of Legacy Grove was um, Winchester's community hospital and um, it was there for quite a long time it was community supported and was a major player in this area and a supporter of health care and fitness um, for the area and at one point um, in the in, in the history of that hospital um, they decided that they uh, could no longer provide um, all everything they needed to for the community and so the, the site and the rights to the, uh, to the hospital were sold. Um, and, then, and then because the site then was, um, was available for something other than a hospital, the, the hospital building was really not use, um, able to be reused. And so the community decided that the best thing for it, uh, for this space, it's 30 acres would be a park. Um, and and another source. And what I love so much about it is that this park is now its own place of healing and health and wellness that the hospital was when it was on that site. So it continues that mission of health for our community.
0: It's a newer nonprofit with new leadership. So you are really in a great place. So much potential on the horizon. So What is the mission of Legacy Greenscapes and how is it manifested in your programming or how would you like to see it be manifested in future programming?
3: Right. So um, Legacy Greenscapes is the nonprofit um, that is is in charge or or, um, governing and managing Legacy Grove, the park. But our bigger mission is to support support green spaces in Winchester and that's all of Winchester. Our programming in the park right now, um, we have let's talk about I guess what's available in the park. Um, we have the first and only dog park in Winchester is now open. We have two very large dog parks or dogs um, Areas that are are all um,
0: fenced off, very secure, and, and is one for like big dogs and ones for small dogs. Is that how it works? Yes.
3: What we have is a small dogs and an all dogs okay um, section, and both are open right now for use. And and we've had a lot of use in the past few weeks that we've been open for those. We also have a um, adventure play area. It's about two acres. And it's all very natural, creative play. It's really designed unlike most playgrounds that have, um, that have you know, your standard playground features. This one is designed with very natural items from the environment. Um, we have Kentucky limestone. We have Kentucky horseshoes. We have a stream. We have lots of things that represent our area of Kentucky and, and Eastern Kentucky. And so that's really exciting. And then we do have a one mile walking trail uh, that's open. Uh, People are on it every day. This morning I saw someone roller skating on it, which is a super exciting thing to see for me Um, because, you know, she's, I, I know this woman and she's usually there running and today she decided to roller skate. So the trail is, um, accessible, it's all ADA accessible, so that makes roller skating possible, that makes wheelchairs possible on that trail, and again, it's, it's really one of its kind for Winchester, so we're excited about that.
0: I am from Winchester, born and raised, and I know what a tight-knit and special community that it is, so how are you planning to use this park to strengthen that sense of community? Right, so the, one of the best things about the park is it's right in the heart of our community.
3: Um, It connects several different neighborhoods um, and we actually have entrances into the park from those neighborhoods. So we see a lot of people who not only use the park but who use the park as a gathering from each of those locations. Um, It also, you know, it is going to be, and I think it's bringing people from all areas of our community together. It's a very large, spacious park. Um, there's no, you know, there's no worry that you will, it will out, outgrow itself with people. It is that large and has that many opportunities. Um, it also has, you know, it, so many different options. There's walking, there's Biking, there's playing on the playground, and we even have a back section that has a, a natural walking path area where kids can explore and their families can explore. So, um, it it really just has the potential to to be the center or the focal point of Winchester, and also with future programming, that's our goal: bringing people there. Um, for, for different reasons, um, for environmental education, having school children come and visit, um, lots of different options there and and kind of engaging the entire community
0: in that. So much potential, which I am very excited to see coming to fruition in the future. So facilitating a park and its programs in a town with not many community parks is no small feat. So what are your day-to-day tasks? I'm very interested in that. Take me through a day in your life as Edie. Well, you know, I've only
3: been at it for four weeks, so that gives you something. (laughs) Um, You know, every day I'm at the park, Um, I like to go visit in the mornings for sure. And this morning I was there dropping off some um, gate latches. So I, I, you know, it's, there's a lot of um, still kind of fine tuning many elements of the park and just making sure everything's working. Um, So I do like to go visit in the mornings and then I stop by in the afternoons as well. well. I spend a lot of time out there, which is great. Uh, I think that's the best part of the job so far. Um, And, and, you know, Spending time meaning it means picking up trash if I need to. It also means talking to people who are using the park and trying to find out what they need in it and if it's
0: meeting their needs. Um, nonprofit work is incredibly rewarding. Being an advocate for the betterment of a whole entire community can never fall shy of being super fulfilling. And so, can you describe a rewarding experience you have had at the organization so far? I know it's been short, but I'm sure you've had one. I
3: have had quite a few, um, and you know. Uh, the, most of the, the one that kind of has sat with me for four weeks um, is initially I met with several of the board members, of my board members, and I have an incredible board at Legacy Greenscapes, all very involved, um, all really interested in seeing um, Winchester just make progress. And um, early on, I had an experience of, of sitting down with two of the board members who have been with this project. Um, they were originally on the hospitals board. They moved then to the board um, that oversaw the the property and now what do we do with this? And now uh, they are on the Legacy Greenscapes board. So they've been in with it for the, for the long haul and for the history. Sitting down with them, we sat down under the shade structure at the park. And we had a long conversation about the history and it really uh, brought home the value of that space, not only to those two individuals, but also to um, the community and the value that they felt and the fact that they stuck with it through thick and thin through you know even the development of the park, the decisions around it, as well as the construction and the up and downs of the construction of that park. Um, that experience made me realize that they, had, they put their heart and soul into that park. And I feel like this community is going to do the same thing. Um, we have a lot of friends who have dogs who are just thrilled about the dog park and the fact that we have one in Winchester now. And um, we have a lot of kids that I spoke, I just yesterday spent some time with some kids who, who were talking about the fact that they like to get up early in the morning to come because sometimes... You know, there's lots of kids and if they come early, they can get the whole park all to themselves. And that's just, those moments are, they confirm everything for me. They confirm, you know, right decisions. They confirm that this is the place I need to be and and that this is a really special place for Winchester.
0: I feel like when people put their heart and soul into something, that never comes up empty. So you're going to reap the benefits of you know, the founders and the people who've been there from the beginning, putting their heart and soul into it, which I think is pretty special. Absolutely. And, and to, you
3: know, um, to see that they stuck with it through thick
0: and thin, that's,
3: that means quite a bit to me. That means that this is a very valuable place um, and they believe it and, and they want the rest of the community to join them in that belief.
0: So we're rounding the end here. Is there anything left unsaid? What is your final word here for the listeners? I really like this because I feel like it gives you a chance to say something that people might not be able to find on your website or your social media. You have the firsthand experience. So can you give listeners something that they might not know about your organization?
3: Legacy Greenscapes, I think we are a community organization overall. Um, we're in it for everybody um, in terms of parks for everyone. So that the whole mission, as I said, of our organization is not only to to manage and fund the um, Legacy Grove and its its future. Um, we're invested in its future, and that's why we um, are raising money as a nonprofit, but also to look at the quality of all green spaces in Winchester and try to do um, what we've done at Legacy Grove for the, you know, around the community and how important that it is for us to have green spaces in Winchester because we, we believe that great parks make great communities and vice versa.
0: As we put a period on the end of this 2020 sentence, <laughs> what can people expect from, from Legacy Greenscapes in the upcoming months?
3: Well, we hope you'll um, continue to come out and, um, and you know, play and enjoy. We'll see what uh, winter brings out at the park. Every season brings different colors. It brings different um, activities there. We don't know what winter holds. Um, I'm hoping, being from Iowa, that it holds a lot of snow and we'll see what happens at the park there. There are some small hills that might be really fun. We are hoping in the spring we can open up even more um, and have some of those gatherings that are going to be so important to us and celebrations of our community
0: you right now to give listeners a place where they can find out more about you, how to get involved in the awesome work you're doing in Winchester. Sure. So
3: we are on Facebook at um, Legacy Grove is our Facebook page. And we just um, went live with the website www.legacygreenscapes.org. Um, and check out that website. It's brand new. So um, very, very few people have seen it and it's ready
0: to, to be looked at and reviewed. Awesome. So Deborah, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story and a little bit more about Legacy Greenscapes in Winchester on the Do Good Radio Hour. Take care. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Last but certainly not least, we are thrilled to introduce our guest duo from the Wanda Joyce Robinson Foundation, Dale Robinson, the co-founder, and Amy Snow, the co-founder and president. Hello. Welcome, everyone. Hey, how you doing?
4: We're so thankful for the opportunity to speak with you today.
0: Well, Bluegrass Community Foundation is very excited that you all are joining us and that you all are a part of the Good Giving Challenge, which is also very exciting. And we'll get into that later. But so please introduce yourselves and how you got involved at the organization.
4: Sure. So I'm Amy Snow. I'm a Frankfurt native. Um, I actually have over 20 years of experience working with kids and youth. Um, my backgrounds in foster care and juvenile justice, and um, currently I work with Franklin County Schools as the dropout prevention coordinator for the district. Um, I've known Dale since high school, so uh, we're actually celebrating two years of inception this past month in October. Congratulations! Um, so we're we're excited about that. It's been an awesome past twenty-four months.
0: What about you, Dale? Yeah.
5: My name is Dale Robinson. Um, I'm the one of the founders. I met with Amy uh, at Starbucks to start the Wanda George Robinson Foundation. I am a gym owner. I am an author. <laughs> uh, what else? An app owner. I don't know. Uh, I have three kids, two boys. I just had a baby girl She's seven months years old. This is kind of the reason why that the Wanda George Robinson Foundation was founded because of my two sons that I had left. When I went away to prison for ten years, um, and I named it after my mom, which is the late mother, my, my late mother. You know, she served a lot of kids at Kentucky State University. So you know, and I figured, like why not name it after her? But I left two sons to fend for themselves when I went away, and my thinking was like, if I left two sons by themselves without the support that they had, there's there's a possibility they went the route that I went, but they had great support. So I've come up. I come to mind like, well, we need enough foundation for those type of kids. So me and Amy got together, and we, you know, we sat down at Starbucks and we hit it off from the very get go. And here we are in two years.
0: The personal connection I feel that you have with the mission is truly what will propel your organization forward. So I love that story. Thank you for for sharing that. So, yeah. the mission of your organization is so incredibly unique. I've been doing research on it and it directly serves a certain demographic. So can you tell us more about your mission and how you see it played out in your programming?
4: Sure. So our mission is to serve children and youth who are impacted by incarceration and that really entails layer upon layer of services. So we have um, many different types of programs. I'll highlight just a couple of them. Um, We certainly support visitation when it's appropriate. We have a vetting system where we go through social services with our families to make sure that that contact can occur. Um, So we have the means to support kids to be able to travel to, to state and federal facilities, to be able to visit with their incarcerated parent. Uh, We have a very unique opportunity with our local county jail that we're able to have um, contact visitation. Um, We also have a program through Franklin County Jail. Um, It's called A Familiar Voice. So incarcerated parents are able to record themselves reading a book to their child. And so we're able to send that recording and the book to to the kids each month. Um, we also have a partnership with um, Global Tail Link Corporation, who provides um, an opportunity for us to do video visitation with our families. So we have volunteers that are able to meet with the kids so that they can um, call their parent and, and through video visitation and be able to see and talk to them. Um, we offer a monthly caregiver support group to our families um it's led by a licensed clinical counselor that actually started july 2019 and of course now due to COVID, that is a virtual meeting but it still occurs every month um we have a scholarship program it's called the adam hyatt memorial scholarship and that is available to graduating seniors it's also renewable to our young adults when they're being successful um, in whatever college or career path that they're pursuing. Um, Mr. Hyatt actually um, unexpectedly passed away over a year ago. Um, He was a social studies teacher at Franklin County High School. And he was really on board with us from day one. He came to our very first informational community meeting. Um, He just really saw the need for his students to be able to have a resource like Wanda Joyce in the community. Um, and he, he actually also volunteered with um, some of our contact visitation at the jail. So um, we're just truly thankful for him and his family for their ongoing support. One of our really premier programs is called CRUSH, and that stands for Kids Rising Up Through Support and Healing. That is a pre-kindergarten through 12th grade social-emotional curriculum um, that's actually a school-based program. It was very organic how that started. There were two educators in Greenup County that were visiting their loved one in their county jail and they happened to see some of their students there visiting their parents. So they just thought, hey, we need to start meeting with our kids. We need to meet with our students. And out of that, um, one of the ladies, Jelena Wheeler, is uh, an elementary guidance counselor. So she actually developed the curriculum. She's aligned it to state and national educational standards as well as counseling standards. We're going through a certification program right now for the curriculum, but um, locally we started the CRUSH programs. We piloted it in three groups, three um, schools last fall. Um, this school year, despite COVID, we've actually expanded to an additional four schools in Frankfurt. And Anderson County Schools, um, is starting, they're starting their crush programs um, in their elementary and middle school as well this school year. So that was really um, just kind of a unique situation with COVID. Um, we started training last spring educators statewide and even beyond Kentucky. So today we've trained over 450 educators. So we really see the CRUSH program being able to go statewide in the years to come.
5: Yes. And on top of that, what Amy said, all in a nutshell, we really want these kids to know that regardless of their background or what their parents been through or what neighborhood they grew up in, they still can be successful and become anything that they want to become. Like their their background or their parents don't mean that they can't be successful because they don't have parents in their life. That's where we step in at and give them that emotional support and that confidence to say, hey, you can do whatever you want to do and be whatever you want to be no matter what. And I truly, that's another thing that fuels me to keep going forward so I can show these kids that you can still be whatever you want.
0: It sounds like your all's impact is just growing and growing and growing. Only two years that you all have been a foundation. Is that right? So that's very, very encouraging. I saw this on your website. 15% of Kentucky children have had an incarcerated parent and that's twice the national average and the highest percentage in the nation. Is that correct? So just, just describe that for our listeners.
4: Yeah so that actually represents 145,000 Kentucky kids so you know when you look at just the magnitude of that issue we have to do something about it we absolutely have to do something about it so we just really looked at um you know who are the people that we need to bring to the table to tackle this issue so we have just on our board we actually have a large board which is kind of an and heard of are unique to a nonprofit. We have 27 members on our board. So we have law enforcement, we have social services, we have the school system, we have the court system, um, we have representatives of the families that we serve, um, we have the school system on our board. So we just really look at it like, um, we're able to kind of fill in the gaps that in our current professional role, that we couldn't. So we, we really consider ourselves just a big extended family with the families that we serve.
0: So Good Giving is here and BGCF could not be more excited to welcome you as a participant. We want to make sure we get your story out there so people can be more inclined to give to you. So why should people give to your organization during the Good Giving Challenge?
4: So yes, yeah, so the, why should people give? Um, really, you know, just like we said, over 145,000 kids are impacted by this. Um, and so we know, you know, children have been incarcerated. Um, they're in a unique situation. They're more at risk to live in poverty. They're more at, at risk for abuse and neglect, to experience trauma, to drop out of high school, to become a teenage parent um to not be ready for the workforce um and and even ultimately um to continue the cycle of incarceration so that's really our ultimate goal is to break that cycle um we have a long-term vision of success for our kids that really starts you know elementary school with the crush program with that with that social uh, emotional development with extra mental health services through um, community resources that that those kids would grow and develop through middle and high school. And that they would have the support that they need as they enter adult life as a young adult that they that they have, um, you know, access that kind of bridges um, for them that they can go to school that they can have a successful life.
5: All on top of what Amy just said, we have to think about, okay, if these kids don't get this help and they go down the path of their parents, then these kids are gonna be in our community. Regardless if you think it's not in your community, or these kids are not gonna reach your community, yes, they everywhere. So it is very important that we help these kids, you know, get the, the attention that they need, the uh, education that they need, the extracurricular activities that they need, even the after school program that they need. You know, all that money goes into that. Like, it's not like, we just sit around holding the money. We need that money to help further these kids so they don't be in your neighborhood, so they don't be breaking in your house, so they don't be selling drugs in your neighborhood. So that's why it is so important the Juan Judge Robinson Foundation is founded and we are continue to push it forward. So the good giving is something that we truly need. It's not just hold on to money. We need that to push the community forward and help these kids in the best way possible that we can.
0: I can see firsthand just doing this interview just how transformational your work is in the lives of children. So if you can, I know this will be hard, but can you describe just one of the most rewarding experiences you've had working at the Wanda Joyce Robinson Foundation? One of you can go and then the, and then the other one can go whichever one first
4: <laughs> So I actually met with a mother and daughter yesterday and this was a mother that you know a year and a half ago we were doing contact visitation with her and and Dale actually gets to go in and speak with the incarcerated parents before and after our visitations um, and so you know we were there with her with her child um, supporting that visit And now a year and a half later, she's actually out living on her own with her daughter. Um, She has enrolled in a paid work internship program. Um, She is enrolling in BCTC in January. Um, Her daughter, through the support of the foundation, she's been able to participate in dance class, gymnastics. She attends her school's crush program um we we have referred them to some mental health supports in the community um and it's just really neat to see kind of what i was explaining that we really are an extended family um the term i like to use is concrete support in times of need you know that this is a family that knows we're with them you know at their worst and at their best um so we it's just beautiful to see it's absolutely beautiful
5: I mean, it's really, really dear to me. So all of those experiences is great for me. But I really like that joy more than anything is going to Franklin County School and speaking to all those kids that are in high school, that's getting ready to transition into college, you know, and things like that. But then one girl came up to me and said, you know, I really want to be an entrepreneur. I, I know that I can do this because I hear you speak about being an entrepreneur and what you come through. I know I can do the same thing.
0: So there's no one else who knows more about your organization, obviously, than you all. So is there anything else that you wish people knew from a firsthand personal experience working at the foundation?
4: So I think some people feel like that um, incarceration doesn't really affect it personally. Um, But I think it's important for the community to know that it does impact us um, as a community. It, It impacts our workforce um our community's economics you know our our ability to uh, have a good healthy flourishing community um and so you know when you look at kentucky's data you know the the number of kids that are impacted by this we have to do something and we have to do it together we have to work together um, to bridge these gaps for kids and families
5: she, she basically hit the nail on the head. It's, it's not just a demographic area, it's a whole community problem. You know, and we got to come together collectively to help the situation that's going on in here. And we have to break the generational curse <clears throat> because if we don't stop it, then it's going to continue flipping over and over and over. And being as a, a tax citizen, it's going to affect you because you, your tax dollars is going to. The, the criminal system, like where it could be doing so much other things, but if we stop these kids now and help them get to where they need to go at, then we don't have to be spending so much tax dollars on the criminal system when we can be furthering and growing our community as another way.
0: Break the cycle. I love that. That's so powerful. So what can we be expecting from you all in the upcoming months? We're almost done with 2020. So what can we expect from you for the rest of the year?
4: (laughs) Well, we're definitely ready for 2021. No doubt about that. But our board um, just completed our inaugural strategic plan. So we are very focused on securing funding so that we can hire staff. Um, we really want to be able to hire one or two social workers, um, a crush program coordinator. We, we have a big vision for, for that as well, to have a, a, a long-term mentoring program for our kids.
0: Okay. So last question, you all have been amazing. Tell our listeners where they can find you and learn more about you and how they can get more involved. A website, social media, anything like that.
5: Uh, wj.org. Amy, ain't that right? I am saying that right. <laughs> WJR.org.
4: WJR.org is our website. Yeah. Yes. Um, we're also on Facebook, Wanda Joyce Robinson Foundation.
5: Um, and we're on Instagram.
4: Yeah, so Dale handles the Instagram, I do
5: <laughs> Yeah, we're on Instagram at WJR Foundation. So we're on Instagram and we're on Twitter. So go check us out. We're just going to keep this thing moving forward. And this is going to get bigger.
0: That's right. Well, everybody go check them out. They're doing amazing work. Amy and Dale, thank you so much for dedicating your lives to doing good and for joining us on the Do Good Radio Hour. We appreciate it.
4: Thank you. We appreciate it.
0: All right, everyone. That is it. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you were encouraged by the stories of good happening right here in our community. I definitely know that I am. Make sure you tune in next Monday at 2 p.m. for more good stories and the next installment of the Do Good Radio Hour.